Hello and welcome once again to episode 31 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Fernando. Hello, hello. Spencer. Hey there. And we have a special guest completionist today, uh, Paul Sol. Howdy. So, uh, Paul, uh, a lot of our listeners may know you as one of their instructors uh, from, I guess, a year ago, right? It's been quite a while since uh, we've all last taught. Yep. Uh, so what have you been up to lately? Uh, a number of things, but lately I've been working for GoPro. So um, just getting back in the code and programming. So it's, it's been fun. I've been working on the iOS team. I think there's eight of us and uh, just working on like the media integration of stuff when you've got a GoPro camera. So uh, they sent me a bunch of cameras and I get to play with them, shoot some videos mm-hmm. and have fun. So I think that makes just you, Fernando, that's not working on some sort of media type application <laughs> that's true that's an interesting yeah i think right. you and johnny are the only ones that aren't like deep in av foundation in some way i was i i, I was deep in av foundation a few years ago while i worked at one second every day so that counts honorary member yes <laughs> okay so before we get into our main topic it's time for our indie app spotlight uh, so first up is Tomato 2 by Vajtek Rinik, a super simple Mac app for practicing the Pomodoro technique, which is a concentration method that splits up your work time into intervals of work and break based on the classic Tomato Kitchen Timer. That's the one you spin like that and it starts ticking down. Uh, tomato 2 has different timing modes, weekly stats, and a website blocker to help you customize your experience and stay focused. You can support Vajtek by downloading tomato 2 completely free and checking out the 4.99 in-app purchase uh, for all its pro features next we have debutils by tony din another mac app geared towards providing developers with a collection of handy tools like json formatting and validation number-based conversion uh, qr code generators and even more uh, there's over two dozen tools and more to come debutils will easily become your go-to swiss army knife uh, to solve common tasks uh, WTIL starts at only $24.99 uh, for a buy once own forever license for that version. Or you can check out the version on the Mac App Store for a no hassle subscription options instead. Finally, we have Personal Best by Sean Donnelly, uh, an iPhone app that aims to be your ultimate fitness companion. Using data in Apple Health, Personal Best will bring your workouts to life with leaderboards, noteworthy statistics, and more. Additionally, the app integrates with your Apple Watch and widgets on your home screen to provide those stats where you want them uh, and keeps your privacy seriously as it does so. Personal Best is free to try with a $4.99 one-time unlock for pro features and a tip jar, uh, so that way you can uh, give the app a little bit more if you think it deserves it. So please be sure to give it a try. Um, And if you are an indie developer, we want to hear from you. Please reach out to us on Twitter at CodeCompletion via DM so we can spotlight your app in the future as well. Uh, So going into our topics, we have a bit of follow-up since Fernando was not with us when we uh, discussed the whole Basecamp 
kerfuffle. So, Fernando, did you have any thoughts that you wanted to share uh, with everyone? Yeah, uh, Dimitri, I was actually very hurt that I wasn't invited to the Basecamp episode. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) 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 For the listeners out there, I was absolutely invited. I just couldn't make it. I I can't make like half the episodes, unfortunately. Uh, But yeah, it's like this is... This is something a little bit close to my heart because I've been, uh, I think I, I, I belong to the audience that was, uh, probably was, uh, huge fans of like Basecamp in general. Uh, I held uh, DHH in very high esteem, not only as a developer, but also like a lot of the, uh, their ideas helped shape uh, what I've become today, like being fully remote, Treating employees right, wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> and so I just, uh, I don't know, I just wanted to to preserve a little bit of my opinion, I guess. Uh, but now that I think about it, I don't know what, what I think. I've been, uh, I'll, I'll give you guys something to discuss in, in case you want to, to partake. But I've been uh, discussing with my wife what would happen if... Uh, Basecamp opened up uh, um, uh, an iOS position. Like, would I apply? Would I not apply? And my immediate, like, my immediate reaction was like, no, of course I wouldn't. But uh, we've been discussing it at length, and there's like, I feel like there's an, a very interesting, um, a very interesting spectrum here, where, like. If if I asked anyone, or rather, if anyone asked me, like, hey, would you work for Facebook? My immediate response would be no. And after thinking about it, my answer would still be no. Because uh, newsflash, Facebook is kind of destroying the world <laughs> by, by driving engagement, right? It just so happens that us humans, we are uh, looking for engagement uh, and hateful messages are extremely engaging. And Facebook is doing nothing to prevent the spread of hateful messages, right? And so even it doesn't matter the amount of money that Facebook offered me, I wouldn't work for them, like no matter what. But when it comes to Basecamp, uh, I feel they have mishandled the situation completely. We've discussed it. I mean, you've already discussed it at length, so I won't get into the details. Uh, But not only that, I feel that, that the interesting part of it is that they are just at the first step of like evilness or being the baddies, right? They're not actively trying to sabotage uh, democracy. They're not, from what I can see, they're not actively harmful to their employees. Uh, They have just taken a stance that is very, how can I say this? Opinionated? Controversial. Both. <laughs> well, if you ask Twitter, it's certainly controversial. <laughs> but well, everything's controversial on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, it is opinionated, and I guess, I guess the the point I ended up at when while discussing this with my wife, uh, and she's also in tech, so she is very well aware of the situation. Was that well, Facebook? If Facebook was a, a ten on a one to ten scale of evilness. Where is Basecamp? And I think Basecamp is like at a three. Because like they're certainly 
evil-ish. Like, the, it was a, a, like, it's very simple. If someone asks you to denounce white supremacy, you do it. No questioning, no, like, no ifs and buts, right? There's no, I, but they're not actively trying to destroy anything or anyone. They're just suppressing within their very tiny kingdom. They're just suppressing uh, political speech. And it's hard for people where their identity is political speech. But it is their tiny kingdom and it is not propagating uh, directly to the outside. So I can't say that I would work for them or not. I'm, I'm just thinking about it a lot more since today. Like it resurfaced that they regret nothing. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I just thought it, it would be interesting to, uh, to know what you guys think about it. If, if, you are, if you're willing to share. I think it's important to note that just because something that was ideal may have been poisoned by certain people's actions doesn't mean that that previous ideal shouldn't still be like considered. Um, and mm -hmm. it's very important to take the best ideas whenever they come up at whatever generation they come in. Uh, and to say that, oh, all of that is now bad uh, because of what some people have done, that you're leaving a lot on the table uh, in terms of how you can improve at that point. Um, so, again, most of the people, as we kind of seen, that work at base camp are perhaps very decent people. Uh, and they, they had the choice of not wanting to kind of put up with that. Uh, and they had the opportunity to leave, and that's what many of them did. But that doesn't mean that whoever is left at base camp is like immediately a reprehensible person. In fact, the only one that like had evidence against them as being potentially uh, morally corrupt in some way left. Um, and it seems like the founders are at least open to the conversation evolving from there. Doesn't mean that they kind of put their best foot forward in how they communicated that publicly. Uh, but I don't think that they want to lose the rest of the people that are working there and they want to support yep. them in the best way that they can. Uh, and like you said, Fernando, if Basecamp came to you with a job, they're not very evil. And chances are you can still steer that conversation in a good way going forward. It's a little disheartening that like most of the company was kind of trying to do that and then all of that got shut down uh and maybe they've learned from that but you'll never know until you kind of go in and see so uh i guess i'll add that to what we said last time cool i i, I agree with you and i think i think that's uh i don't want to make this another base camp episode because you already you guys already had one <laughs> <laughs> and i mostly i am 90 percent in agreement i think with everything that you guys said so I think this is a pretty good uh, stopping point unless somebody else wants to uh, add anything. But if not, we can just keep moving on. I think your your points so are, lighter to, go are good. Um, I don't think they're intentionally trying to be evil. And I think that's a good distinction when thinking about this. I think it's they're sort of seeing it in my own eyes of like there's certain discussions that are hard to have. And, and I talked a little bit about this on our, our Slack. It's just like, political discussions can really divide and and granted like things have become a lot a lot more complex so when political things sort of become your identity then then this gets super 
super sort of in the weeds and complicated. Um, so I do think there's a tendency of like social media and tech people and just everything to just get sensationalized and then blown out of proportion. And I think you have to forgive people. I think you have to give people second chances. Um, uh, I consider myself like very easygoing for most things and I'll, I'll give you a second chance. I'm not going to like try and continue to like judge you for your actions. So I think that's important when I look at a company like Basecamp. I think they did apologize in a way. Um, uh, Jason was, was very sort of saying sorry and everything. And when it comes down to it, if, if you don't agree with the apology, maybe it's because you don't like their policy. And, and so like, I think we have to separate those two concepts. So that's, that's my like big thoughts on the whole base camp thing. Um, use products that you enjoy using. And, and I would say that Basecamp is a company that if they had an iOS position, I would be interested in it. Um, I really like working for GoPro though. So, uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd switch. They have to fight for <laughs> us now. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I agree with you, Paul. And it was like, it was really difficult. I was very close to, uh, uh to canceling my Hey account. Cause I was like, well, am I, like, am I really, can, can I split the company from the person? And I don't, I still don't know if I can, but what I can tell you is like, like Dimitri said, it's, it's, if I just say no person, bad product, bad, then I am bad. That, that should be the episode title, <laughs> but that's good. Yeah. But, but it's like, it's such, I personally love, Hey, I don't know I if you guys it have tried it. It's just so good. It is really good. I like it's worth worth a uh, hundred dollars a year. Currently. It saves mental so, fatigue for me. Uh, yeah. uh, I get so many emails. Oh, uh, yeah. I get I get anxiety about email. Um, I get overwhelmed, and so Hey has been sort of a welcome sort of exploration to be like, okay, how can I make my personal email a little bit more manageable? Yep, it's really good. I meanwhile have fifty four thousand unread emails just sitting, staring at me every day. I hope to get to a hundred thousand just to see the, that number, get that screenshot, and then select all archive, and hopefully do a better job from that point forward. Who knows? <laughs> okay, so in some uh, lighter uh, news and discussion, a bunch of as we record, anyways, by the time this episode comes out, people will have had received their devices, but a bunch of uh, reviews for all the new Apple devices. Uh, came out and honestly they're very exciting uh so first up we have the imac reviews that landed first on i think tuesday was it um and these are for all Mm -hmm. the brand new colorful imacs uh and uh the big news for me was that each colored imac comes with colored apple stickers which is so cool and i have been deeply resisting wanting one of every imac uh, and this makes it ever so slightly harder to want one of every iMac. Um, is anyone else getting a new iMac uh, that because of the colors? No. I would. Um, <laughs> no, no I, I'm not going to. I my issue with with iMacs is a personal one of the aspect ratio of the screen more than anything. So, as much as I would love to get one, uh, 
I would almost go for like a colored Mac Mini instead if they had Ooh, one of those. That would be, really be cool. so good. I would like I would pounce on that. Yeah. Like the the same colors and everything. I would get like the blue one. Ooh, it would be so good. Um I mean, why can't they do that, right? They do it for now IMAX, they're doing it for iPhones, just just do it for the Mac Mini. I bet they would sell like hotcakes, man. We're so close. I agree, Spencer. They're definitely going back to color, which is interesting. I can't remember if it was one of you that brought it up, but like since Johnny I've left, it's we've slowly been <laughs> you know, traveling towards the color uh spectrum instead of all monochrome and I think Everyone really likes it. Um, I hope it continues. I really that way. like. And the irony yeah, I was mentioned that... it. I, go for it. I really like the vivid colors. Go for it, Paul. Um, my mm-hmm. thing I don't like is the front. Uh, just, I think I think it looks so iconic mm. from the side and from the back. It's just so vivid, and it's like, wow, it's awesome. And then it's like the front, and I'm like, why didn't we put some more boldness on the front, or at least black bezels? I don't know. I'm a I'm a big fan of black bezels. So maybe they're trying to distinguish yeah. this from the pro the, and the pro is going to have black bezels and be super dark and be high contrasty compared to the, the fronts of these. I think that's definitely going to be it. I was watching. Yeah. And I was watching, um, Marques Brownlee's review of the, of the iMac and he kind of had an interesting point about the white bezels and, and maybe it is just a distinction between pro and, and not pro, but you know, he said, most people probably just have a white um, wall that they're going to put it up against. And so it like, it kind of blends a little bit with the wall. And so he was like, I don't hate it as much as I thought I would because he, I remember when he uh, did kind of like a recap of the event, he was like, why would you ever do this? But that was like a decent point. I can see that happening. Um, being you know almost blending in a little bit with the wall itself and there's a lot of nostalgia too for the original imax um which were all bright colors and then the imac g5 uh kind of generation with the white front as well that's there's a lot of nostalgia Mm. with the new designs going back to that which was essentially the first time the imac looked like that um the imac g4 was the half dome uh, and there was no chin on the screen uh, and the iMac G3, uh, which is the original iMac, I guess it did have a chin in a way for the CD drive um, and the speakers uh, and then a giant monitor on top of it. Uh, so I, I wanted to mention it's ironic that Johnny Ive leaving is kind of what's bringing so much color when he was part of the original iMac design and brought all that color to the computing space. Uh, maybe he got bored of color over time. I don't know. Well, to, to be fair, that's that's pure speculation, right? We're sort of like speculating that it's Ives' departure that that started. Oh yeah, like definitely. We're just messing. <laughs> oh, totally, so totally. It's like, <laughs> we're already blaming the poor guy, and he's like, "I left you with these amazing <laughs> color designs like ten years ago." Uh, no, but uh, the one thing I, I do, I hope, is that they don't go to to like black for pro. It's just like. I'm a pro. I like colors. Give me a pro with colors. Like it's I don't not want gonna this happen, to be. Like... We're gonna have dark, <laughs> boring, gross colors for the pro stuff, and we just have to live with it. Oh my god! I hope not. And just I look want, at the iPhones. Now that, <laughs> now that Spencer has said it, and I think we'll cover this in in a little bit. But the uh, there was an, an a Bloomberg article that you 
uh, posted, Dimitri. Are we discussing that in the in the yeah. episode? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll just wait for that section. But yeah, no, black. I I have nothing against black, but it's like uh, black uh, being synonymous with pro. I hate it. I now that Spencer has put in me the idea of like a a purple Mac Mini with like <laughs> ten <laughs> a, a high efficiency cores. Oh, that that would no, be it's, amazing. It's just the four one. It's just the four efficiency cores oh, that you're no. getting, Fernando. Oh. That's the only choice you have. <laughs> in black, even even like there used to be like the. Uh, the beauty of the first, like the Bundy uh, Max, was yeah, that one. they were sort of like transparent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you could see, like I would love that. I would so love a Mac Mini in like purple, but not aluminum plastic that you can see through. That would be like a, a Nintendo 64. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's yes. like a Nintendo 64. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would. It's a whole 90s vibe right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's making a comeback. So one more thing with the IMAX I want to throw out. Uh, there's a cool little Easter egg, if you will, um, in terms of like UI differences. One, there's a special accent color that's color matched to the case. Uh, and this does not match any of the other existing accent colors. It's like ever so slightly tweaked. So when you boot the Mac, it's in that color um, already. Uh, and this matches the highlight Ooh. color and the accent color, which is super neat. Uh, and there's an actual hello animation when you turn on the Mac for the first time, which like goes back to those welcome screens in a million different languages that Mac OS X uh, used to run when you first installed it. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of whimsy coming back to Apple, and it's really showing with uh, this generation of iMac, and I hope it sticks around and they don't see any, get any negative reaction towards it in a way that makes them want to stop that. Okay, so going on to the next device, uh, we have uh, new iPads, uh, and these are iPad Pros in black, Fernando. Um, No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) They come both in silver and uh, space Space gray, gray. as Apple likes to call them. Uh, And uh, the cool new thing about these iPads is, one, they have M1 chips in them, so they're essentially Macs, hint, hint, WWDC. Uh, And uh, the bigger one also has a... Uh, uh, an XDR display, Liquid Retina XDR uh, display. Uh, so, Paul, you mentioned that you were kind of gunning for those new iPads. Yeah, I've been holding out for iPad for years. Uh, I wanted to get one before, and then it was just like, oh, they're going to update them soon, and that sort of just kept getting pushed back and back and back. And uh, I finally got approval from my wife to be able to upgrade. So, um gunning for the 11 inch and i wanted i I was intrigued by the the better screen but i went to best buy i picked them up went to the apple store i picked them up i held them it just it doesn't work with my workflow i typically will pull my ipad out to read documentation i just don't like how websites look on the extra space i find that it fills out a little bit too much and um i wear glasses and i'm like nearly blind (laughs) Um, so for me, like readability is really important and a smaller screen is easier for me to consume because the line length is shorter. So I didn't want to like juggle multiple Mm -hmm. apps to make different windows smaller. I typically read on the couch or in bed. I'll just prop myself up and just read documentation, jump between stack overflow when I'm trying to research something, watch WWDC videos when I'm doing yoga or exercise. 
um, inside. And for me, it's really helpful to have like a smaller iPad. We also use it in the kitchen for cooking. So it's like, if it's too cumbersome to hold, like that was a big thing. And I was, I was looking at, okay, how does it feel to hold with one hand? That was an important factor for me. Um, but the bigger factor was definitely how does a website look that I visit all the time? How does it look in landscape and in portrait? And then what's the, the line length? That was like, or I was like, oh, 11 inch it is because that's what I'm used to. I don't, I don't really foresee myself getting the magic keyboard. I've been eyeing it, but it's like, I'm not getting this to be a laptop. I'm getting this to be uh, a drawing device. So I got the Apple Pencil and I want to be able to just comfortably lounge with it and not have to hold something that's super heavy or gets arm fatigue. So I don't know how you all feel about it, but I'm super excited um, to just get an Apple Pencil and finally be able to do that. I, I like to draw and I haven't had a good excuse for doing that. So I'm hoping that this gives me some playtime. Yeah, an Apple Pencil on the new iPads is magical. Um, especially if you have some talent for drawing uh, and don't completely suck at it. Uh, it it's really becomes a very familiar device uh, to use. And the fact that everything is so smooth, it really blows most other like uh, digital drawing instruments out the window uh, in a way. Um, like a Wacom tablet, a Wacom tablet has nothing on mm-hmm. uh, an Apple Pencil on an iPad. And it really shows if you have them like side by side, uh, it really feels like you're drawing on, on like directly to the screen. It doesn't feel like you're drawing on paper because the, the textures are all different. But uh, in terms of what you see is what you get, there's nothing more, there's nothing closer to that. Um, and Spencer, you, you are also uh, someone that likes drawing, so I'm sure you can reciprocate a lot of those thoughts. Yeah, I mean, well, let me let me back up here. I like drawing. I'm not good at it, like Dimitri said. So, you know, I, I really enjoy it. It's fun. Um, I was just drawing, kind of doodling around the other night with a an app where uh, it sort of will mirror whatever you're drawing, and you can kind of choose how much you want it to mirror and stuff. It's really cool. Anyway, um, one thing that I found that made me enjoy drawing more was I have this little... Uh, it's like the silicone tip on my Apple Pencil, and it just gives just enough friction so that it doesn't feel like it's sliding away from me, but I have a little bit more control. So um, maybe That's we'll neat. like link those in the show notes or something, and I'll, I'll send those to you, Paul. But that, for me, made it feel like, like Dimitri said, it's not quite paper. And for me, on the pencil, it's just too... There's not enough kind of friction there for it to feel like I'm actually drawing, but now I can kind of... I feel like I have more control. I can actually use, you know, uh, the the angles of the pencil to get different effects because it's not just like going away from me. So, um, I that was also a reason that I got an, uh, an iPad, and it's it's been really fun to have an iPad as both a, a drawing tablet and for me, I actually really do like the Magic Keyboard because it lets me have another reason to use it where. Um, before I would just, you know, walk over to my desktop and do something. But now I'm like, you know what, I'll just grab my iPad and go on the couch. And, you know, I could even start, you know, writing or whatever, just on like IA writer or whatever. 
So it's been, for me, honestly, the Magic Keyboard was the thing that is the thing that makes me use the iPad more. But I, I love that we all use it differently. And I think that's probably not going to be the case for you. You already know what you want. And so, um, yeah, I, but I will say, like Dimitri said, it's just amazing for drawing. I mean, there are so many apps you can get, um, just for drawing. If you like, um, well, yeah, I don't know. Like procreate is probably the classic one, but you've also got like Astropad if you want to use, you know, your Mac and you want to hook it up and basically make your iPad as like a Cintiq, a Wacom Cintiq tablet and, you know, use Photoshop on your, on your, um, Mac and everything. So it's, it's such a cool device and the Apple pencil is just amazing. So, um, not really surprised that they haven't updated the Apple pencil or anything in the last few years since the two, because it's, it's awesome. The gestures are great. I think it would be cool oh, to maybe have more gestures oh really uh, yeah, they drive me bonkers uh because Ooh, it constantly switches back between like erase and as i just fidget with the pencil oh uh, so I, is this the double I, tap gesture like i haven't gone to another one yeah uh -huh. no there's a, that that's the only gesture that i know of um but like mm. i would vastly prefer just flipping the pencil around and using the back side of it uh to that to would be erase. really cool. like that would solve the double tap thing um for me but mm -hmm. Uh, as you said, Spencer, I, I really don't think they need to do much to it because it already works so well. And no. now that it's always constantly yeah. being charged, it's it never feels like it's dying on you. Like, it doesn't really Ooh. need to have a super long battery life anymore. That's the best part of these new iPads is the pencil is always there because I would always lose my pencil with my first generation iPad Pro. Never knew where the pencil was, but now... It's just always magnetically on there. It's the best feature. That's amazing. I would say, uh, Paul, you should definitely give the Magic Keyboard a try. I tried it in the uh, store. I like it. I mean, it, it feels real nice. The mm -hmm. The ability to have like a trackpad feels super nice. I just haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger. <laughs> and key commands. Key commands are another big one. Um, but what I what I meant to say is, I mm -hmm. think you should definitely give it a try long term, or at least right up until that return window. That's true. Um, because you you may find yourself using it in different ways. If anything, just as a stand, like you don't have to use your iPad in the Magic Keyboard all the time. You can have a designated place for that Magic Keyboard, uh, maybe in the living room or something. So whenever you do want it to be on a stand, you can have it there. Um, and then, like, a super cool thing is when you pull your iPad off, all of a sudden it's way lighter, and you're like, wow, this thing really is like, nothing. <laughs> um, and it's, like, pretty bulky in that keyboard. Um, so you don't need to use it all the time. Uh, but my favorite use for the Magic Keyboard is not uh, to type on or to use the trackpad or anything, which I, I do use quite often. Um, but when I'm in bed, it kind of makes the perfect kind of pivot uh, to kind of get that screen in front of my face without the fear of that screen just breaking my nose. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, that's... It, it. It's not what it's meant for. I can put that out there right away. But it is better than any other iPad case because it does lift the iPad off from that hinge point um, quite a bit. So it And it does keep it rigid. Um, so it actually is super useful in bed uh, if you're just, like, reading... Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, like that line length is like, you don't think about it until you start like reading a lot um, and having appropriately length lines and stuff like that 
Oh, that drives me nuts. And some apps that are like, let me make this full width for you. And you have to like travel with your eyes uh, to get to the other side. And so even in, even in landscape, that doesn't bother you too much? Uh, not really, because iBooks does an excellent job, okay, yeah. or Apple Books, whatever they call it now, uh, does an excellent job at making sure those um, margins are good. Uh, in Safari, like, like you said, it's not ideal sometimes. Um, I don't remember if you can do command minus and command plus with the keyboard uh, because you do have okay. those key commands. Uh, I might be doing it like instinctually. And it also depends on if there's sidebars. Um, like so sidebars on certain websites make it mm-hmm. more manageable for me. Yeah. Make it a little more manageable, definitely. Sometimes like reader mode can help. Oh, yeah, if, definitely. If too. The website supports it. Because that one, I believe you definitely can. Um, and so my, my work is well. low. And that adjusts the margin at the same a time. A lot of the time is I will grab urls or i'll grab screenshots and then i'll throw them into a note as i'm sort of researching something so it's like okay i need this snippet of code or just the screenshot of the code so i have something to go back to because like when you're watching wwdc videos or you're like jumping from link to link to link it's hard to remember what you've seen and like that one little bit of like oh that might be that one little fix that i need um so that's that's also part of my workflow. It's just like it's kind of a note-taking device. So I'm excited to see if the pencil can help a little bit with that, um, sketching up things. I, I'm not... And you can take a screenshot immediately with the pencil. Oh, really? So from the corner, if you just drag with the pencil, that will make an instant screenshot that you Ooh. can then doodle on uh, and add notes. That's super and, cool. Like, put that directly in your notes and stuff like that. Nice. So, Fernando's silent there because he doesn't like iPads. What 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 is an iPad? <laughs> so, uh, Fernando, uh, <laughs> if if during WWDC Apple came out and said, uh, "By the way, we're launching a new app for iPad OS, and that is a Mac OS virtualized, and you can have like the full power of Mac OS just running inside a little tiny shell on an iPad." Would you be then interested in that device? Can I get it in purple? Maybe. Uh, Mid-year, next year. It's it's going to take a half generation to get to that (laughs) color. Uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I, I just... I'm trying to think like I I tried an, an a first generation iPad. It was great, but it wasn't for me. And I keep thinking like you guys were talking about drawings. I can see it, how it is a fantastic device for that. I wouldn't use it. Like I can see how it could be great for video editing. I wouldn't use it. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't video edit on my on on the couch. Right. I would be sitting here on my desktop. So there's a lot of things I'm that I'm deeply I... hurt. <laughs> I'm sorry, Spencer. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there's like I personally I don't I cannot see the value of the iPad, and it's it's really interesting because I'm 100% wrong, and I can clearly see that because if I were like the iPad VP of like product development, uh, I would have nixed it like years ago. I would have been <laughs> oh, like, this man. is like just a big iPhone. And I would have been, like, incredible. I, w- I would have been the guy that, that passed on the Beatles. So that's, that's well, what I'm saying. I've, I've, I think I've said this before, but 
for me, the iPad really does seem like this awkward middle child between an iPhone and a Mac. And it's like, maybe when it gets virtualized, it's even more of this middle, you know, this middle child. Like, just to, to answer your question, Dimitri, like, why is that better than me just getting an iPad, like a, a MacBook Air? Because it's better hardware than a MacBook Air. Let's say, let's say I can get... <laughs> Let's say I can get a, a a laptop with the same specs as the iPad, like literally a twelve. Let Apple takes the XDR display from the iPad, puts it on a twelve-inch uh, Pro, which is the the Mac that's closest to my heart, and puts the same processor. Like, what benefit do I get from the iPad? Touch what is the killer it's app? It's just so much more portable. Right? Touch, Touch screen. Like, mm-hmm. you you get so much benefit for just being able to hold a screen in your hand it's just it's liberating for me uh, i can one hand hold it interact with it with the other hand um swipe do stuff uh, i don't understand why people don't use them but i can do that on my iphone i i get hand cramps on my iphone so for me <laughs> i can relax easier and read unhindered on an ipad and the the posture for an iphone is oh, just I... not good for my neck uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And and I'll say that I don't read okay. on the iPad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I use my Kindle. I love my Kindle. Like, it's just, it's so much easier on the eyes that yeah. I I don't know. I, I think the iPad, if, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, so, the answer to your question, Mitchie, would be no. More more likely than not. More more Not more likely, English is hard. You get the idea. <laughs> I would buy, like... A hundred, two hundred dollar tablet device that only has Safari. That would be boom, mm. an instant buy. Like when Paul said we have an iPad in the kitchen, I was like, that's a brilliant idea. I am never going to pay like five hundred dollars for an iPad for my <laughs> kitchen. But if I could get like a two hundred dollar iPad that just runs Safari, oh my god, I would have one uh-huh. in every room. Because Paul is right. Like, if I'm on the couch and I just want to browse the web, I would grab the iPad and just browse the web. That's, mm-hmm. that's the one thing that I think is spectacularly, like, much, much better than that ah. on the desktop. Browsing the web just being... I mean, that's but that's so why good. the iPad's so good is it's, you take it into whatever room you need to. So I take it, it's on the floor on my yoga mat when I'm doing yoga and exercises. I take it into the kitchen, prop it up. I... I don't have a keyboard that I'm going to spill on, so I'm not worried about that. Like, it just is so versatile as a computing device in all of these different situations that I wouldn't want a Mac. I don't want to put a Mac on my counter. I don't want to pour liquids on top of it. I don't want to spill peanut butter on it. Yeah. So. (laughs) Hear me out. Kitchen iMac. (laughs) Living room iMac. Bedroom iMac. Office iMac. Is it too hard? I need all three this... more. <laughs> <laughs> go go on eBay. I mean, the cheapest iPads new are three hundred and twenty nine dollars. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. You just get a used one and do it. Put <laughs> one do, in every and, room I, for the price of one iPad Pro. That's that's brilliant. I'll tell you. I'll I'll take it a step further. If I do end up buying one for like a hundred two hundred dollars, I'll run a social experiment where I'll just set up guided access. So that I can only access Safari. 
Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. That would be really cool. Purposely crippling your <laughs> I iPad. I don't know why you would do that. I, I mean, I put my recipes in... in Making notes. it less capable. <laughs> like, uh, we have recipes in photos. We have uh, web recipes. I hate recipes on the websites, though. It is so obnoxious, all the ads. So I try to, yeah. to curate some of my recipes in notes now. I copy-paste them. I copy-paste them it's... from the website to notes, and it just stays there. <laughs> never going to change. Never yeah. going to lose it. That's not... 100% agree with that. Um, one extra is... thing for iPad in the kitchen. It's magnetic. It sticks to your fridge. Really? Does it stick? Are you, you confident in the stick? Mm. I am never confident, but it does stick. <laughs> I wouldn't be confident either. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of... Uh, I, I want to get like an arm or something that I can just prop it on. That'd be super cool. Mm-hmm. But Magic I don't want keyboard. a keyboard in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants a keyboard? It's, 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 I, I want no. it off the but countertop. I was going to say, it's really fun. I want a, something that's under the cabinet it, that I can just prop it on and then move it around just like my microphone boom. That's all I want. Oh, okay. that's brilliant. You could. Right? There's ARM thingies for the iPad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That would be really interesting. Too bad there's okay. no so external chargers <laughs> that you can just like magnetize to it to one of those old arms. iPad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't cripple it, though. <laughs> yeah, just I was gonna say, this use is really... it to its full capacity. <laughs> Sad. This is really funny. The first job I got as an iOS developer, well, the first job in the U.S., was for a company called Key Ingredient. And their their product that brought them fame was uh, something called Recipe Grazer, which was like sort of like pre-Android, a tablet that was like... Have you seen those cases that are like military-grade proofing for your iPhone or iPad? So Flower doesn't get in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so you that was a dedicated device that would connect to the uh, Key Ingredient API. And you could browse the recipes, save them, and things like that right there on your kitchen. And I always thought that was a great idea. I don't know, like, uh, the company got acquired, and I don't know what happened afterwards. Uh, but, but I always thought, like, wow, I don't know why, why there isn't, like, a dedicated device like that. And I think Spencer just gave me the greatest idea I've had yet. And, and Paul, too, with the arm. I'm going to buy, like, a very old used iPad, cripple it to hell with only Safari. And then I'm just going to have, like, a swing arm. And I'm going to have that on my kitchen for recipes. That's, that's such a good idea. Cool. I don't know how I feel about my idea now. <laughs> you've, you've twisted it into something that it should never it's be. no longer pure. Top 10 and betrayals. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so in terms of other devices that are uh, coming out tomorrow as well, uh, tomorrow as we record, it'll probably already be out by the time this episode goes out. Uh, but that is the Apple TV. Uh, and I'm super happy to see that Apple listened to us and me complain about all the different things I would change about the remote because they've basically done all of those. Uh, so who here uh, wants a new Apple TV? I ordered two. Uh, one's for my mother-in-law <laughs> and then wow, one's for us. Though uh, our TV situation is not great here. Uh, we don't even have uh 1080p <laughs> tv uh we've got to use 720p oh, no. so it's not going to be 
amazing for now um, until we move. It will be extra amazing because the processing, it will be able to do so much more rather than like waste time on pixels. <laughs> so you're ahead of the curve there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for the updated remote. I think anything that makes it easier to not have to juggle remotes is a good thing. Um, TV remotes are crazy. Uh, my one friend has like super fancy ones and I'm like, I just want a simple on off. And for the most part, we just watch Apple TV or stream something from our phones. So that's my go-to device. And if it can be faster, Same I'm not here. a big fan. Apparently, the reviews did say that it felt noticeably faster between the old Apple TV 4K and the new one. Um, so that, like, I I thought probably we wouldn't notice unless we were doing something uh, crazy with Apple Arcade. But even just launching apps feels uh, noticeably uh, more responsive. So I think that in general is going to be a win in the long run, especially since it's been so many years since the previous Apple TV was updated. Yeah. I, I didn't buy a new Apple TV 4k. I did order just the remote though. So I'm going to kind of see like, yeah, you're, you're making me now (laughs) reconsider and and want a new Apple TV (laughs) with, with the speed improvements. But for now, it works well enough for everything I do. You know, I'm I'm not on it a ton. I'm usually at my you know at my work computer, my own personal computer, like watching TV on there anyway. So, but I'm happy to have a remote that I won't want to slam to the ground every time I use it when I'm trying to skip ahead ten seconds or anything. So that'll be nice. Right now, I was thinking like I'm gonna make like a like thirty second video. Of like my like a close up of the remote inside like a shower, and then the uh, the music from what's that uh, famous movie? Ring 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 ring. Pew 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 pew. Uh, um, that yeah. from the guy, the fat thriller guy. Hitchcock. <laughs> Hitchcock, um, yes. Scream? Is it Scream? I don't think. I don't know, but it? you get or, the idea. I'm just gonna make a yeah. thirty second video of the old remote. And then me going in with a knife and I'm stabbing it. And then it just like hangs on to the... With, the uh, knife the denting because it's made out of glass and metal. <laughs> <laughs> and my nightmare like continues. So then it's... So then it's the, the next 30 seconds is me like pushed against the wall, looking at the door and then the remote coming in because it's like the worst piece of uh, equipment ever. But yeah. Anyway, I took that way too yeah. far, but... <laughs> I hate it. Like I hate it with a passion. The only the, the only reason I'm not ordering two right now, which is uh, we have two uh, two Apple TVs, uh, is that I feel cheated that this is so much better. This should have been version one. I don't know what happened uh, and why we got the uh, the previous remote. Tony, I so uh, <clears throat> <laughs> once I get past that hate, uh, I'll, I'll definitely get two uh, two remotes because they're just straight up better. Once again, watch next generation. They'll have colors. Per- you can get a purple, purple one. remote, but only after you buy the standard one. That's when they get announced. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. It's a hundred dollar upgrade. <laughs> Do you think they'll actually make a TV? Or at this point, are we not getting one from Apple? 
I would buy one if they did make one, honestly. Like, I am so done with not Apple technology. Like, for all the all the complaining we do about, like, how Apple stuff does not work the way we want it and yada yada, it works so much better than everything else. Um, and, yeah. like, my TV, randomly when you turn it on, it'll just crash. Like, it's a great TV, but it crashes. Like, I don't want my TV to crash. I want it to turn on. Uh, my fancy schmancy Pro Display XDR, when you turn it on, like, there's no switch. It just turns on. You give it signal, it's on. You take signal away, it's off. I want that as a TV. Like, I don't know why that's something that's so hard for TV manufacturers to make. Um, but, like, there's not a price you can pay for something simple like that. Um, so, yes, I would immediately buy an Apple TV if they made one that runs Apple TV OS uh, with an Apple TV Plus app. Uh, with Apple TV Plus channels, um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing down. Down. Uh, I, I encourage Apple to consider the idea um, and charge a lot for it. Like, make it worth worth their time um, because, like, people are not going to buy new TVs. Do you all think the time. that would be like? Uh, a but eventually, XDR pricing. Like, what does what does that mean to you? I think it will be less than XDR pricing because. Uh, as they've shown in the iPad, they can get something... They've evolved the technology that went into the ProDisplay XDR uh, significantly enough uh, where it does not need to cost them that much. Now, it probably does cost them that much because it's such low volume. Uh, but as I experienced from waiting for ProDisplay XDRs to arrive, I think they are being like sold at a decent price because it's not like instantly available. You do have to wait quite a while, a while to get one. Um, and sure, there might be all sorts of reasons for that, um, but I do think they are selling, and I think Apple will probably be able to make something in the $3,000 range at 65 inches, which is now like the standard TV size. I think that is definitely possible, Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't need to be OLED. OLED is great until you need something bright, and then it's not so great anymore. Uh, it also sucks for burn-in. Like, that's another thing I never want from a TV is burn-in. Um, I have enough of that on crappy LCDs. Oh, I'm getting that. <laughs> LG 5K. Oh, you're getting that um, on the LG 5K? So, yeah. Um, it's not like permanent burn-in, but it's it's burn-in for like 20 minutes of yeah, your screen being there. And you move it and it's like, well, now you have window I didn't used to everywhere. get this um, um, it's like a new thing yeah. I had to RMA uh, another issue and and ever since I got it back I've had burn in and more burn in and then I'm looking at UI designs and I'm like is that part of the design <laughs> or is that just <laughs> exactly. a ghost image so I think my biggest question if it was if they made a TV and you kind of brought this up would be how many screen sizes would they support or would it be like a standard 65 inch or would they, you know, do 65, 75 and like 50? I think if they like just that. did that, that would be, fine. I think it would be three, like three sizes. Three typical yeah. TV. I mean, sizes. they don't need to make a ton. Yeah. Three sizes sounds like reasonable to me. I think I have a bigger question, which is would they lock it down to Safari? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, would they, <laughs> would would it be like a TV or a monitor? Like, would you be able to plug something in? Or is it like just like an iMac where it has like it a power It better be a TV it? with 10 HDMI ports. 
Apple, I will murder you if there's only Apple two HDMI never, yeah. ports at the end, back of that thing. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, is this a, a TV or an Apple thing? Because an Apple thing will have like one HDMI and then there's not going to be an HDMI. There's Apple TV built in. It's, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, we have your ten Thunderbolt ports here for like I don't know other things. <laughs> But yeah, that, that's my so, second gripe about TVs is there's never enough HDMI ports. And like, yeah. why? But really? Why? Like I use uh, one for my Apple TV. I, I have it. I agree what, what are you plugging in? Apple what TV. Are, what are you guys like using? For... Blu-ray, Nintendo Switch. Okay. Like, yeah, like my Nintendo Switch, a PC, PlayStation, uh, Apple TV. So yeah, like four minimum. Can you use the new Apple TV? I have my four Nintendo Classic devices that I have onto a Switch. I would just like to plug everything in. Right, that would be yeah. so nice. It's such a pain. I, I want, don't it want to be set up. I want, I want to all, cable manage everything. The TV. Can the new Apple TV yeah, remote exactly. switch inputs or not? It can switch to the Apple TV if your TV supports yeah, I think it. that's it. Which most things support nowadays. So, so no. like the switch, if you turn it on, it will. My TV oh, switches really? the switch. Yeah. Uh, Blu-ray, if you turn it on, it switches the Blu-ray. Oh. Uh, Apple TV, if you turn it on, it switches the Apple TV. So I think most things have that nailed uh, for the most part. Besides when the TV crashes, when it switches. Um, but you can't use the remote sort of as like a universal. Yeah, there's no remote, input button on. Which it. is which is a bummer. I think the only thing that it really can do outside of the Apple TV is just turning the actual tv itself it also works for the tv and blu-ray uis if those inputs are active oh it does it it does go the other way around so that's what the cc oh i didn't know Um, at least the old tv remotes did the swipey one does not i don't think uh but the old tv remotes definitely do go both ways and the tv remote like the one that came with your tv controls the apple tv as well so it's all kind of like interconnected and that's kind of neat nowadays um, if it were a tiny bit better, which it's getting there a little bit though. Okay. This week's episode is brought to you by Pennant. Calling all sports fans. Want to keep track of the season, but there's so many teams and not enough time? Check out Pennant. Pennant provides sports standings at a glance. Pennant displays league standings as a simple bar chart where the best teams rise to the top throughout the season. Of course, you can dig in deeper with team stats, game results, and more. Version 10 introduced the all-new customizable My Pennant View, where you can build a wide selection of visualizations for any sport, division, or team. Unlock Pennant Premium to add as many blocks as you'd like and put any of them on your home screen as a widget. Whether you follow MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, or MLS, Pennant has you covered with more sports and leagues coming soon. Thank you so much to Pennant for sponsoring Code Completion. Download Pennant on the iOS App Store today. So with all that out of the way, it's time for Compiler Error, my favorite segment where I get to torture everyone. Uh, So let's go straight into it. There we go. Uh, So we have four statements today, all inspired by Fernando, since he mentioned AppKit. So these are all uh, related to NSString, the class class cluster. Uh, So Objective-C has class clustering. Uh, available as a feature of the language and the libraries, and these are all uh, part of the NSString class cluster. So let's go into it. 
Statement number one, most dynamically allocated NS strings are actually underscore NSCF string, which is essentially represented by a CF string ref or a CF mutable string ref. Statement number two, NS secured string is a specialized implementation of a string that keeps its content encrypted at rest until they are accessed directly, preventing RAM snapshot analysis. Statement number three, whenever path component methods are used, NSPathStore2 is returned, providing an optimized view into an array of path components. And statement number four, NSCheap mutable string is a limited mutable string that allows for zero copy initialization, primarily used for temporarily wrapping stack buffers. So, uh, Fernando, since you are the resident uh, Objective-C guru, uh, let's have you go first. Hmm. Of course, Dimitri, this is probably the easiest code complete. Uh, oh. Yeah, I've seen. It's Objective-C, right? You got this. I mean, it's so easy that I, I don't even want to go first. <laughs> That's it. No, okay. Uh, number one sounds very very believable uh you do get all, uh, you do get like toffee bridging between in a string and cf string so i'm pretty like that sounds very reasonable um is there a cf mutable string ref that's an interesting question um in a secured string i'd never heard of it it kind of makes sense that you would want something like that for like um, like password fields, this seems like it would be brand new. So I don't know. Or none of these are public, by strings. the way. Yeah, no, of course that makes sense. Um, NSPath store two. I don't like the two, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go <laughs> out on a limb here and say that that one is not true. Although NS cheap mutable string, that just feels like a cheap shot. Ah, ha, ha. So number three? Yes. Yes, okay. yes, final answer. Okay. Final answer. Spencer, go for it. Um, yeah, I think... NS Path Store 2 kind of got me hung up too, but like it's like so weird, it's like believable, if that makes <laughs> sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think NS Secured String is something that makes sense and probably uh, exists. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, uh, I have no idea. This is all way beyond me. Um, I'm going to go with number one. Yeah, we'll go with number one. Okay, and Paul? So what's the rule of the game? Only one of these is right? or So only one of these yeah. is fake, uh, oh. and the rest are mm -hmm. correct. And you can either oh, agree yeah. with Spencer or Fernando, or you can go out on a limb and pick another one, uh, and then I get to reveal the answers afterwards. So you can explain your thought process or just go And for you're it. saying that these are not public APIs or? Uh, these in particular are not public. Like and a string is the public API and these are all hidden details. Um, so that's what makes it mm. fun. 
first one sounds believable. And the second one I've never heard of. Uh, I don't even know how that would work. Um, because people put stuff in, in normal strings all the time in, in Objective-C, so I kind of feel like that's the one that's that's not real. The others, I could see Apple picking names like that for internal things, uh, especially if they're not... So you're going with number... I'd say number two, two is not right. Okay. So I want to change my answer. It's too late, Fernando. We've talked about <laughs> it. I said final answer, my dude. <laughs> but I lied. Does that help? No. 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 <laughs> Since you all agree all right. with number four, let's go ahead and start with that one. So NS cheap mutable string, uh, you all think is correct, and it would certainly be a cheap shot of me to make this one the fake. Uh, but it is absolutely true that NS cheap mutable string exists, and it is used uh, by NS uh, file manager uh, for like internal uh, stuff. Uh, so that is a real thing as a part of uh, foundation. Uh, so uh, good job, everyone, for agreeing on that one. And, and thank you, thank you for not letting me change my answer because I was going to change to number four. <laughs> You see, like, sometimes you just need to stick with it, right? Uh, So that means we're going to go to number three next. So uh, whenever path components are used, uh, NSPathStore2 is indeed the class that is returned. So if you use um, component, um, uh, like, string by pending path component, uh, for instance, it will go ahead and generate a new object that is an NSPathStore2. Uh, that implements all the uh, basic methods of NSString, so it makes it look like an NSString from anything using it, uh, but it is actually this private subclass that is optimized uh, for managing these path components. Uh, So sorry, Fernando. Uh, Moving on to statement number two. So NSSecuredString is using a technique where uh, the contents of RAM are encrypted, uh, and anytime you need to access it, it decrypts it and gives you that value and then re-encrypts it. Um, and this is absolutely a real technique that is used uh, to make sure that like passwords and keys are not uh, leaked, especially with, uh, I think Heartbleed was one of the first ones where like the SSL keys were kind of leaked. This would not be possible if everything in memory is uh, kept encrypted as well. But NSSecuredString is an absolute fabrication that uh, does not do uh any of that so good job paul for uh <laughs> sniffing that one out Dude. um there is a uh, <clears throat> private uh ns string subclass called underscore nscl string uh str so clear string which will clear its memory with zeros when you deallocate it um so that one does exist and it's used internally and probably by a keychain or something like that um but uh there is no ns secured string that does this uh, natively, and the crucial part is the API doesn't really support it. Basically, anytime you want to provide that sort of API, where you provide a decrypted view into an encrypted piece of memory, you want to have some sort of callback where you can decrypt it and then re-encrypt it in place, um, and allow something limited access during that single part of time. Otherwise, you're just allocating new memory somewhere else with the unencrypted thing, and then that's just going to stick around there. So 
Uh, you have to be very careful in implementing stuff like that. Uh, and that brings us to number one. Sorry, Spencer. Um, uh, NS strings are absolutely implemented by NSCF string under the hood. Um, and uh, that is what almost all dynamically allocated strings are. There are CF string refs or CF mutable string refs, um, which, as Fernando, you pointed out, uh, it's a direct bridge uh, with the core foundation types. Um, and those support both 8-bit and 16-bit uh, views. Um, so that's what an NS string is most of the time. There's also NSCF constant string, which is all the at quote strings that you use. Um, and there's all sorts of other ones. NS big mutable string, NS spelling substring, NS pinion string. Uh, there's like NS a whole list of NS cheap mutable string. <laughs> yep, NS cheap mutable string. Uh, they're all real. Uh, they're all there to haunt you. Um, and they're spectacular. And they're spectacular. So, uh, and they're very useful. So, so along the security thing, uh, aren't Macs now encrypting the moment they go to sleep? So it's just like doing some kind of decryption and encryption on non sleep and wake. So you sort of get that. Uh, so I believe, I believe the memory is encrypted per app. Um, and that's like a separate thing. But if you are in the address space of the app, everything is decrypted mm -hmm. from your point of view. So if you have an attack that kind of mm -hmm. enters your address space, uh, then they can see your unencrypted memory regardless so it's not super useful uh, necessarily from the point of view of like RAM snapshot analysis to do something like this because again if you freeze the RAM and then read it uh, byte by byte after the fact again it's going to be all encrypted like you point out um, but in terms of protecting like direct attacks to your software especially if you're server software um, you want to try to minimize what things have access to at any given moment in time so if anything's at rest uh, you want to uh, hide it or obfuscate it at the very but least. at rest as in in ram or in disk in ram yeah in ram okay so not in the cpu registers i'm just thinking from a ui perspective like once you've got that stuff in in the ui it's like you've got the plain text of whatever oh yeah this is not not really for UI. So okay, cases, for servers say. maybe I could see that being different. Mm -hmm. So that's I think I in a secure that, that field that's necessarily does true. something special, and I think it does. Um, but again, it depends on like what you're trying to encrypt. If you're mm -hmm. doing file decryption, this might be a perfectly useful thing, especially if this key never enters the UI. If you got it from the keychain and you want to keep it around cached. Um, that's something that you might do to kind of keep it there, especially if your app is open to outside sources. Fernando, you even want to add even to if that? you displayed something that was encrypted in the UI, uh, you could. I I don't know if this is how it works, but I would be. Uh, this is how I would design it, at least, where I would pass along the string, have it drawn, and then remove any references from it from memory. So that way, you would only get the drawing of it and not the actual string in RAM, right? And then so if you want to copy it or whatever, then you, you encrypt that's it. That's the thing, though. It. Just passing it to that field may leave copies around in memory, um, which like pointers would be pointing to. So even if you get rid of the pointer, that memory still has the string in it. So you have to be very careful about how you pass that string and that piece of data along. 
but if sense. we're if we're saying that 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 it's encrypted in RAM, it doesn't matter how many pointers there are. Well, no. Encrypted. If you if you if that one is encrypted, and then something else goes and makes a copy, a local stack copy, for instance, that is uh-huh. now a decrypted version. So that's what you need to be super careful about. Why would it be decrypted? Because you made a copy of it to pass it over to the UI widget to draw. Like the minute you pass it to draw, that may have made an internal copy and oh, yeah, I agree. With I agree with that. And and that's what I'm saying. Like I, I don't know that they actually do make a copy or allow a copy to exist. Right. Mm-hmm. The, this is really interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it after, yeah. after the show. Um, so that's why, again, like if you're if you're designing something like this, if you use the decryption APIs, uh, they ask you for a pointer. Um, so they're going to use whatever memory you tell them to look at. Um, so you can show them the unencrypted view and then immediately write over that piece of memory. There's no guarantee that caches and stuff like that are not going to like keep the old version uh, around for very long, but it's probably not going to be very long-lived. Whereas if you have an app running for hours... Uh, that's you can dangle pointers all over the place uh, and end up with unintentional copies just by like drawing something to a screen, and that's typically what you don't want in this scenario. Well, that has been educational. Uh, so as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released. Uh, thank you so much to Paul Solt for joining us this week. You can follow him on Twitter at P-A-U-L-S-O-L-T. Uh, is there anything you wanted to... Uh, uh, I forget the word. Um, promote a uh, plug, plug uh, that you've been working on? Uh, I mean, the big thing for me right now is just getting back into exercise and get my diet under control. Um, outside of that, I'm trying to find some time to work on my coffee app. It's called Brew Coffee. Uh, It's been a sort of passion project that's always been sidelined by other things uh, over the years. So that is a pour-over coffee app. And right now it is in perpetual beta. Uh, I'm hoping this year to maybe publish it um, to just get it off the test flight. So that is brewcoffeeapp.com. Or you can find it on, on YouTube if you search Brew Coffee App. You can see me. I've got a few videos up. So if you enjoy coffee and you want to see Paul's app up sooner than uh, later, uh, be sure to bug him about it on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) and send words of encouragement. Uh, We need to be nice, right? Yeah, well, you can tell me things don't work. Uh, (laughs) I I essentially built the app for myself and uh, it solved my problem and getting it to solve other people's problems is a little more work. And I've, I've invested a little bit of time in that, but not enough. Well, everything takes time, right? For sure. Gotta, gotta polish it until it's something that makes you happy. And that's what we often tell many starting developers. You need to make something that makes you happy first. Um, because otherwise like you're not going to want to, keep maintaining it because there's going to be very few reasons to do so um, if it doesn't actually make you happy. So uh, unless it's crazy successful and you're making millions of dollars on it, that's, that is in itself making you happy. Um, then you want to make something that is useful to you uh, that uh, fulfills a need that you have and 
uh, everything else comes separate from that. Right. So uh, keep at it. Like I'm, I, you'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it takes time, it and don't be time. afraid That's to charge process, for it. Right? I would say as well. Um, like oh, my super easy timer that you, you featured a few times makes hundreds of dollars each month, uh, which is nice. And I know my coffee app would probably be making that. So I, I like pricing anywhere from 3 to $10 for apps. And I think that's a good start. Doing a subscription wouldn't hurt, but that's more work. So just charge up front, see if people buy it, see if people use it. Make some money. That's why we're here, right? So no, we are not. No, we are not. So <laughs> coming from you, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> so Fernando, who is not here at from junior to senior, that's F R O M J R T O S R. You can also follow him on Twitter and Spencer as well at Spencer C Curtis. That's S P E N C E R C C U R T I S. And thank you all of you for joining. Uh, me this week and once again my name is Dimitri you can find me at D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L on Twitter and we'll see you all next week cool thanks for having me bye 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 Uh, and that's the show Uh, wait you guys are getting paid (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I work at $3,000 a month has Ben not told you Uh, that guy. I never trusted him. Yeah, it's just, you know, the whole, like, living in a different country thing. It really, this is all uh, a facade to make you move to the United I see. States. No, no, I see. Pure, unadulterated racism. I get it. I get <laughs> it. Even Paul got a commission of 10K. 